Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Nativity Podcast. I am your co-host, Father Ed Bresnahan, parochial vicar here at Nativity Parish, and Burke, join with me as always is... Your social media coordinator, Mary Castellano. Oh my gosh, guys, we are so glad to be with you today on our amazing podcast. We are cruising through season two, Mm -hmm. if you can believe it, and normally we try to make a point not um, not to sort of like make it about a specific date or mm-hmm. time of year. And part of that is because we don't know when you're going to be tuning in. Right. You know, it's a little weird to be like, Merry Christmas, and it's July when you tune in. <laughs> you're like, doesn't feel like Christmas to me. Um, so last year, when we welcomed Father Bob onto the podcast, we, you know, we brought him on and we brought him on to talk about Christmas at Nativity. Right. So it obviously had a Christmas flavor. Um, this year, for this season, we've got another situation where this is the case. We wanted to bring on our wonderful deacon in training. I say deacon in training. He's already a deacon. He's a priest in training. Mm -hmm. We have Deacon Peter Clem, and we're bringing him in on a special day because (laughs) we all share something in common in addition to our love of our faith and our love of Nativity Parish, and that is we love Star Wars. Mm Mm-hmm. And so we're broadcasting this episode. It will debut on May 4th, which happens to be Star Wars Day. So (laughs) because may the 4th be with you. And with your spirit. spirit. There we go. So guys, I am so glad. We are so glad to welcome today. Deacon Peter Clem. Good to be here. We always start with an icebreaker. We always start with kind of a question that kind of like goes through all of this. Um, Kind of usually leads into the, the general discussion. I, I want to throw that out the window today. <laughs> just throw that icebreaker out the window because it's May 4th. And so really, this is just that personal, joyful question mm-hmm. that just has to do with a personal preference. So my question for you and Mary and myself is, if you could be in a Star Wars movie or a series, one of those series or episodes, or maybe you're having trouble, maybe just like a scene. If there's like one scene that you're like, no, I just want to be encased in carbonite. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Any scene from any bit of the Star Wars universe, which movie would you pick, or which which space in that place would you would you pick? Ooh, well, thank you again for having me. This is awesome. I, I, something I love about Star Wars is and a lot of them. It's a ragtag group of people going on some kind of secret mission, like either to rescue Baby Yoda or to infiltrate a base uh, to you know get the secret mission. Probably, yeah, around, like, the Rebel period, especially. So, uh, Star Wars Rebels is, like, an animated show. And I just love all these little cells of Rebel groups around the galaxy. And they each are doing their own little thing, if you will. So, it would be really cool to be a part of, like, my own little Rebel cell. And maybe there'd be, like, a Wookiee and a Jawa and uh, Mm. uh, an (laughs) ex-Stormtrooper and, uh, you know, a a Padawan who used to be a Jedi but now is not. Um... Like, I don't know, yeah, just some kind of weird little group of people, and we're going on our own little missions to help do our part to take down the Empire. That that would be really cool. I love it. It's always missions like disrupting a supply line or, like, intercepting a gold transfer or something like that. And you'd be, like, out there on this rogue planet or something like that. And there might be some, you know, interaction with uh, bounty hunters. And, unfortunately, we have to team up with them sometimes, but we can't really (laughs) trust them because they're probably going to stab us in the back at the end. Right, exactly. I couldn't. <laughs> they always say like you. You're never gonna offer as much as the price on your head. <laughs> it's always a, It's always like a. They always say you know like they they could turn you in. <laughs> it's always have some kind of guy that always has that. 
Mary, would you pick? Where would you be in this? Where would you be in the series in this, in this scenario? I would drop everything to become a Jedi. I would love to be a Jedi in, I don't know if it's called the Old Republic or um, just the Republic, but in the prequels, um, I would, I just, I love the idea of the community of the Jedi, their powers, their abilities. I, I would drop everything I know and love right now to become a Jedi. I think that would just be the coolest thing ever. But I would like to um, think that I would survive Order 66. I would. I could be one of those That's Jedi. That's a very hopeful thought. That's a, yeah. It happens. We'll see you a little more later on. But yeah, no, I, I would love to be a Jedi. The 100%. glory days of the Jedi. The glory days, exactly. What color would your lightsaber be? I knew you were going to ask me that question, and I wasn't prepared. Uh, I want to say pink. A pink like, lightsaber. Uh, like burgundy or magenta. Not quite purple, like Mace Windu. I don't know if there's an orange or a yellow one out there, but like my favorite color is burgundy. But not like evil Sith Lord. I'd be like, right. make it a- <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's kind of red, Why you know? Survive Order 66. Hmm. <laughs> Undercover. We've got a rogue agent. Ooh. That's amazing. Oh, what, what, a, what a plot twist. Oh, like, wow. <laughs> underneath all of it, there's this other like person. <laughs> what about you, Father? What would you. Where, where where would you fall in like the Star Wars universe? Wait, it's so funny because like I mean I was born um, right in between like like the year that I was born was the same year as the Empire Strikes Back came out right and I really just appreciate and I, I I'm with you on the idea of dropping everything to become a Jedi as <laughs> long as, as as soon as I sort of like began to see my faith manifested in not only on my own life, but how you start to see fingerprints of your faith all over the world. I always sort of recognized that the Jedi felt like a religious order. Mm -hmm. Like it always seemed to me this idea of a group of people dedicated to living in community, dedicated to a particular charism, dedicated to virtues, right? And struggling, like they're real people who struggle, right? They struggle to, you know, make all these things work. So when you said, I'd like to be a Jedi, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. But maybe (laughs) not like at the glory days of it, right? I think I really loved the idea of when the Jedi were just kind of scratching and clawing themselves back where they had to, you know, kind of figure things out. So maybe kind of at the end of the, at the end of the newest, um, you know, the newest set of trilogy, because in the newest trilogy, you know, you've got Rey who's learning to be a Jedi. Um, you've got Luke who's trying to, you know, kind of balance his past with this future, right? Will I train them? Will I not train them? Kind of like tying all those pieces together. And you kind of get a sense at the end of those movies, at the end of the the episode nine, you kind of get a sense that like, ah, they're getting ready to build something new. And so I think being there at the ground level of building something new is really, is really a special. I love the idea of kind of like being in on it and saying like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dedicating, but like kind of, off the pedestal and really like no, no, taking nothing for granted and being able to say like, okay, this really resonates with me and the faith just because a lot of people enter the faith now and a lot of things like we're not in those sort of medieval glory days when everybody was Catholic. Mm-hmm. We're not in that yeah. sort of time period where it maybe was easy to be Catholic because your whole community was Catholic. And now mm-hmm. uh, in so many ways when we practice our faith it's you practice your faith not like this sort of desperately clinging on but with a lot of hope to be able to say, well, now I'm really building something and I can really show people what I believe and what I love and people are sort of drawn to that in the sense of like ah okay what is it about it that lets you persevere through all of these difficulties struggles and 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 some of the difficulties of the world there's so much hope and I think that's one of the best kind of themes of Star Wars and I think it's one of the best themes of Catholicism one of the best themes of our faith is uh, is that hope 
I love it. I love how you talk about new beginnings because that transitions very well into uh, what we're gonna what we're gonna be talking about today. So, uh, so Deacon Peter, we are one month away from what major event in your life? <laughs> uh, so June fourth, I'll be ordained a priest uh, by Bishop Burbage at St. Thomas More Cathedral in Arlington, Virginia. And uh, so, how do you feel? You're one month away. Uh, how are you feeling? Pretty exciting. So I finished seminary and I have a couple of things. Uh, I'll go on a silent retreat. Uh, right before ordination, uh, which is great, you know, just time to be quiet with the Lord. And uh, is that normal? Do is yeah, that yeah, like that, okay? That's a standard uh, before every ordination. Every priest or every deacon is supposed to go on a five day silent retreat. But for Arlington, we do it literally the week before. Wow! Um, I'll leave the retreat and go straight to the bishop's residence for dinner and rehearsal. Wow! Um, which is pretty exciting. Uh, so no, it's it's very exciting right now. Um, finishing up seminary after six years. Of formation, lots of uh, philosophy and theology classes. I just had practicums, uh, practicing mass, practicing hearing confessions. Uh, and where do you go to seminary? Uh, Mount St. Mary's uh, University and Seminary in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Mm-hmm. It was about an hour and a half north of Nativity. So for this past year, I've been coming back every weekend to Nativity uh, while I've been at seminary in between classes and papers and stuff. Yeah, and we really loved having you. We really loved having you help serve at our masses. And last summer, you were with us a lot more, kind of doing a lot more stuff with our youth, with uh, our young adults. And really kind of getting to know the parish. I think you spent quite a lot of time kind of getting to know different people in the parish, having kind of those different conversations. Yeah, Father Bob has been great, uh, just getting me plugged into a lot of different ministries and giving me suggestions of what how to get involved. And the staff here has been so welcoming. And so I've been able to help out at lots of different things, go on date nights with the marriage and richer ministry, which had a funny story with that. <laughs> I didn't have a date, but it was great to be at those and uh, be able to visit uh, the high schoolers uh, Sunday night life teen or to watch the chosen with some young adults helping out with different funerals and helping out with bap- doing baptisms. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been so many exciting ministry opportunities beyond just being present at mass. And that's been a grace as well. Father Bob has always let me preach, which is nice to, to preach. And so this past year, this, this was your pastoral year. Is that what that's called? And that's what every transitional deacon does, right? Um, it's not necessarily called a pastoral year. There okay. are some guys that take a whole year away from seminary. They're not doing any studies okay. and they're just doing pastoral work. For me, uh, this transitional deacon year, okay. I was doing classes as well as being at the parish mm-hmm. uh, on the weekends and on breaks. Um, How do you balance that? Because I know that that's obviously, I mean, I was, I went through this too, but I always like to hear the fresh perspective of this, but like, how do you balance the kind of thing where it's like, okay, I put my whole heart and soul into ministry and I still have to actually work pretty hard to get some good grades. I'm still kind of in a school part of this. (laughs) Yeah. And the Mount is, was very gracious with its grading (laughs) in these last couple months. Uh, No, it definitely uh, needed to be focused when and be all in wherever I was. And so when I was at the parish, it was about giving as much as I could. And so I wasn't bringing any homework with me when I came on the weekends because the the point of being here is to be here, to be with the people. So I couldn't be focused on my schoolwork. So I had Fridays off to be able to get stuff in line, either A, to prepare for the weekend or B, to do homework in anticipation of Monday. So I was trying to balance that stuff with that day off on Friday was really helpful. Um, And then when I'm at the seminary as well, to be all in uh, beyond just classes, but being present to my brother seminarians and being, you know, example in the house because the deacons are the, we're head of the food chain, if you will. Mm. Uh, And so the the younger new guys are looking to the deacons, how do, how do, how do we do seminary? 
It really does have the high school vibe, doesn't it? With does like it? The seniors, I don't know. I've never been. The, the deacons <laughs> are like the, wow, those are the guys who are almost there. And the guys who have seen or seniors, you know, they'll, oh, there's senioritis. But deacons, they have deaconitis. Deaconitis. Uh, so that has been something I've had to struggle and fight against. And the way that I've, I've, I've done it personally is to focus on the people, especially, that these young, new seminarians... I need to be an example to them. And then also to the people in the parish to be that joyful presence to them as uh, a new vocation in the diocese. And so to focus on the people has helped me get through the nitty gritty work that I've needed to get done. Mm -hmm. Can you give us just a brief overview of some of the classes that you have to take? Um, You don't have to like list every single one, but just for anybody who's just really not familiar with seminary or like, well, what kind of classes would you take to prepare for priesthood? Sure. Like the first two years are philosophy. And so you're taking a lot of classics, learning about Aristotle and uh, Aquinas. You're going through just how to think. Uh, and really having a good foundation of thought process, if you will. There's also included in those first two years a lot of language, doing Greek, Latin. Sometimes guys do Spanish as well to make sure they're prepared for Spanish ministry. Theology classes, you're going to have classes, church history, scripture, moral classes, classes that are focused on specific uh, teachings in the church. So a class on the Eucharist, a class on Christ, Mm -hmm. a class on the Trinity, a class on sacraments of healing. Uh, And then there's also practicum classes. So I had homiletics where I would practice giving homilies and I had mass practicum and I would have confession practicum. Uh, So yeah, a whole wide range of classes. It's, It's a full master's program, 15 to 18 credits every semester. Mm-hmm. Any particular class that was like, oh, like I'm so grateful that my seminary got me in, got me to do this, this one class or any several classes. Uh, I really loved the scripture classes. I was a, I mass, uh, majored in scripture. And so I got a second degree in theology with a concentration in scripture. So I took extra scripture classes and there was a class I took last semester, which is really great to go into priesthood, which was on the letter to the Hebrews. Mm. And the letter to the Hebrews is all about sacrifice and the sacrifice of Christ that he made. And that sacrifice is one of a priest and it's the priesthood of Jesus Christ that we're ordained into. It's one sacrifice that's offered not many little individual sacrifices that Father Bresnahan does his sacrifice and I do my sacrifice. No, we're all offering the one sacrifice of the Mass in the name of Jesus Christ. And so it, it was a beautiful class to have, especially in this year preparing for priesthood, so close to ordination. I felt when I was taking the classes that like, you know, I mean, I had a background in philosophy anyway, but like the philosophy classes felt very abstract. But as you got closer to priesthood, those classes became more concrete. And sort of as you get closer, you're not just like studying kind of basics of scripture, you're starting to really go in depth. Mm -hmm. And as you go in depth in the scripture, as you go in depth into moral theology, like living, um, as you start taking a class on the sacrament of the priesthood and those kinds of things, things just seem to become a little bit more like real. Yeah, I was going to ask, is it all is it all really starting to feel real? Is it like, is it anxiety provoking? Is it exciting? Uh, It's very exciting. Uh, There's definitely a whole range of emotions. Two phrases I always like to hold on to are terrifying peace and uh, joyful exhaustion. Okay. Um, That these words that kind of could contrast each other. Like, it's terrifying to think that I'm going to be hearing people's confessions. But there's also like a great peace. Like, this is what God has called me to. And it Mm -hmm. brings me so much joy. It exhausts me because there's so much work to be done. But at the end of the day, there's peace and joy, um, even in the midst of terror and exhaustion. 
I think that that the one about confession is so interesting. I think I've heard it from from you, Father Bresnahan, and uh, from a few others, where they say hearing confessions is one of their favorite things about being a priest, mm-hmm. which is bizarre to me as a layperson. I like don't tell me. Don't tell me your stuff. Like, I don't want to yeah, know. Yeah, right. Yeah, but we don't like confession because we want to hear what everybody did. Right, of course. <laughs> no, it's probably one of the it. things I'm most looking forward to because you have the opportunity to be that person who welcomes someone back mm-hmm. um, who might, you know, maybe it's been a long time. And you have the privilege of being on the other side of welcoming that person back with joy and with hope. And for yeah. no other reason than you just happen to be the one that they went to go see. Yeah. Right? I think so. that's the other thing. It's not like people like seek you out going like, you know what? I really need this person's insight. No, it's this person who's like, I've been away from the church. I should go to confession. And then they creak open a box. And sure enough, you're you're there. Yeah. Hey, that's just me. That's humbling. It is. It's so humbling. So. That's a really good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does this feel, does does the whole process of seminary feel humbling to you now you're about to come out? Or even do you feel prepared? <laughs> you know, yeah, I was talking to some way. younger priests who were recently ordained and they're like, you'll never be prepared. I mean, there's just no way to, you, you can take all the classes in the world, but every single person has their own individual situation that they're going through and to walk with them. You, there's no practicum to mm. walk with people. And even with the sacraments, with like the anointing of the sick, like I know the right, I know mm-hmm. how to anoint someone, but I'm walking in the situation. Who is this family? Is there like 50 people in the room or is there just one other person? Is there no other person in the room? Every situation is going to be so different. Is it a hospital? Is it a nursing home? Is it in someone's actual home? Is mm-hmm. it on the side of the road? Like there's no practicum to really account for all those situations. At the same time, I feel very prepared. Like I know how to say the mass and the mass doesn't change. I mean, there's different right, you know, prayers within every single mass, but the mass at its core, this is my body, this is my blood. I'm going to say those same words every day. Mm-hmm. It's and it's going to work because by God's grace, it does. Right. And trusting in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel very prepared, and at the same time, no, uh, <laughs> yeah. not at all. And I also feel like I mean, every community is different too. Mm-hmm. I mean, even just communities with our own within our own diocese. Oh sure. You know, every church has a bit of a different flavor. Every, I mean, like you said, every individual is different. Every parish community is different. The needs are different. The yeah, yeah, different flavors. And at the same time, the teaching of the church stays the same no matter what parish I go to. So mm-hmm. there's also a confidence of that. Sure. So. Yeah. Isn't it fascinating just to know that God in His infinite wisdom knows exactly where you're going to be in a couple months? So does the bishop. <laughs> Maybe. The Maybe. bishop may not know that yet. Maybe. Hopefully by the time this airs, the bishop will know, yes. right? That would be a thing. But even if it's not even in the mind of the bishop yet, the Lord knows. Exactly. <laughs> right? He's brought um, me along this far and it's worked out well, so. Yeah. Is there anything that you've learned in particular from Nativity? So you've been here for about a year, like you said. You are with us um, for for a few months in the summer and then kind of here, here in a here and around, here and about over the weekends. Do you have any takeaways from your time with us? Uh, this is a parish that is just so generous. Um, people who are just very giving, uh, and I'm not talking like money, I mean, which I think is very true for this parish, but people with their time and how giving they are with their efforts to serve other people, to serve the church. It's incredible how many ministries are here, and I've like had little tastes here and there and to see, like, oh, I recognize you from that other ministry, and people who are involved in multiple things, not just one thing. Mm-hmm. And people who are supporting each other. I mean, I've always loved the staff here and how, yeah, no, that's not just pandering the two of you. <laughs> totally. <laughs> All of the staff here um, are fantastic. And just how uh, everyone is, uh, we're all on the same side. We're all striving for the same goals of bringing cl- people closer to Christ. That's and actually so. a huge mantra, especially I think since the pandemic of like us within 
within the parish offices and i mean we, we say it to each other often it's like we're, we're all on the same team we'll yeah. like sometimes end a conversation like talking about different ministries or like i'll be having a conversation with jen our director of uh, marriage enrichment ministry or allison or rebecca and we, we each have kind of our own different different things different departments but at the end of the day we are we all are on the same team yeah. we're all on father bob's team <laughs> so i don't know if it's like a takeaway Coach. that i could necessarily I hopefully will be able to bring to whatever parish i go to is to make sure that i'm connecting with the different ministries and not just focusing on one ministry mm-hmm. um and if those missionary ministries aren't connected maybe i could be a bridge to help bridge those ministries together yeah um that would be really awesome yeah no, that, that would be great and maybe it's already happening wherever I'm going, and that'd be great. I can just <laughs> kind of slide right in, and it'll be, you know. You know, it's, it's funny you say that, because that ever, yeah, since, since the pandemic, I think we as a staff, I know among the priests, I point to you as if you were here. You weren't here during the beginning of the pandemic, but um, we did start doing kind of more bonding things as a staff, because mm-hmm. we really needed to just have fun together and so we would you know sometimes watch movies together we still eat together and sometimes some of the ladies here in the office and i we've kind of reflected on those moments and saying you know i really hope that whatever we're doing here does influence the new guys who are coming in whether it's our summer seminarian transitional deacon new priest who who's going to be transferred um we hope that they kind of take some of these things some of these these positive qualities, these good things with them to whatever their new community will be. So yeah, I'm glad that that's one of your takeaways. All right. So like, this is the best part, right? So <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, I'm just absorbing all of this. Uh, like I, it was just uh, so many good, so many good things. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and one of the best parts about like, one of the best parts about our staff is that our staff eats lunch together. Mm-hmm. Like just our oh, staff eats lunch together. I love that. Yeah. I highly recommend it. If you are a parish person in the diocese, especially in the diocese of Arlington, or if you're listening from a different diocese, I highly, highly rec- recommend eat lunch together as a staff it's so foundational fundamental to us working together it it makes our communication better we're like a family and it kind of like releases a little bit of that tension because it's something that everybody starts looking forward to they all start saying like okay so it's not it's it kind of eases that moment of like oh what am i gonna do i'm just sitting in my office just kind of you know it just kind of gives you that actual pause to be intentional about saying Mm -hmm. hey putting work down for a minute actually picking up the community part of it okay but like that might be one thing to look forward to but look ordination is huge the day is going to be fantastic the day is going to be incredible for you but i guess the question that i want to ask you is like all right so what both kind of in a future sense and also day of what are you looking forward to what are some of the things that you're looking forward to regarding ordination both the day and receiving the sacrament, and then also looking forward to life as a priest. Oh gosh, there's so many things. I know, um, right? That's why I'll try to just blitz through a lot of them. Good, go um, for it. For diaconate ordinations, uh, the most empower- powerful moment for me was laying face down on the altar and having the litany of saints be sung. Uh, just a really striking moment where the priest or deacon lays prostrate and all of your family and friends are kneeling and praying for you and all of the saints asking for their intercession and you get to pick some of those saints I've picked uh, St. John Bosco and St. Ignatius of Loyola and personal other saint who's already in the litany, uh, St. Francis of Assisi. Those three are the patron saints of youth apostles that I'm community that I'm a part of. It's just this very humbling moment and it's overwhelming to think of all of these people who are basically cheering you on in this uh, vocation that you are striving to um, undertake. Uh, and then after that moment, you you get up and the priest or the bishop says uh, the prayer of ordination, and then he lays his hands on you. You're in the moment. Uh, so I'm really excited for that moment. 
just after ordination, usually you get to give first blessings. And I am very excited to give first blessings to uh, family members and friends. Um, but in particular, hopefully somebody will pull me away and I'll get to hear my first confession at some point on Saturday. Um, if not, maybe Sunday. Hopefully I'm not that terrifying of a person that they have to wait a couple weeks <laughs> until like, it's at the parish. Um, but I, I am really excited to hear confessions. I think that's probably the thing I'm most looking forward to. In the aftermath of ordinations and first mass, uh, the day after my first mass, I'm leaving for the Holy Land, and I'll be going uh, with my family and friends uh, for a 10-day pilgrimage. And when you go to the Holy Land, you celebrate the masses that are at that site. Mm -hmm. So I'll get to have my first Christmas, my first Easter. Uh, <laughs> all in 10 days. All in 10 days. Wow. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to having that be a place to celebrate my first masses uh, and to offer those. The thing that struck me when I was saying Mass in the Holy Land was that the readings always focused on where you were. So, like, the word would change. Like, in Cana, you read from John chapter 2, and as you're reading from John chapter 2, it says there was a wedding feast at Cana. But when you're in Cana, it says there's a wedding feast here in Cana. And so they throw this extra wow. word in there, and that word makes all the difference, or right? when you pray the Angelus in Nazareth, in literally right outside of the house where Mary what lived. Right. Instead of saying, and the word became flesh, you say, here, the word became flesh. Yep. Like, this, so is this, yeah, this, this is the moment. This is the place. place. This it, is where oh this gosh. happened. It's and so good. There's some sites Chills. that it's like, yeah, it was around this area. You know, there's. Yeah, right. There's right. some that are, no, this is the spot. Yep. Like you yeah. can touch the actual spot where the cross was. Yeah. That's it. You can tell. I hope you get the opportunity to celebrate Mass in the tomb. I, I do. We, you, you're going to be one of those people. You have the reserve. Perfect. Yeah. So, like, when you're in the tomb, you get 30 minutes. Normally, they only give you a few minutes to go in, pray, get out, let the next group come in. But when you are saying the Mass, you have 30 minutes. They close the door, and you have 30 whole minutes. And so it's just you and the people you're with, and you say Mass in that 30 minutes. And if you say it in relatively quick amount of time the rest of the time you and everybody else just has like a yeah. private intimate moment where you get to spend that time with jesus in the tomb and the 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 altar is the yeah the altar is, is the tomb is the tomb like it's the place the it's right there on the rock where yeah, yeah. so you're gonna have oh a gosh. fantastic uh, fantastic so time and with family and friends it's very yeah. very intimate no a huge thing to look forward to yeah and so this is this uh, trip to Jerusalem, is that something that every newly ordained priest gets to do? No, no, this was totally on me. Oh, uh, I went, okay. I had the right, privilege right. of going to the Holy Land when I was in college, and I'm actually going back with the same priest who led that pilgrimage. Okay. And so we'll we'll pull straws about who gets to celebrate Mass as the principal celebrant. But uh, this is something I've always desired to do, that this would be the place where my first Masses were, is where Jesus wow. walked. So. That's amazing. I think it's funny because you pick. Blessing. It's funny because you pick Saint Ignatius of Loyola, and you know Saint Ignatius of Loyola spent a year before he made his first mass. Well, he wanted to do it in the Holy Land, exactly, but he didn't. Unfortunately, he didn't make it to the Holy Land. He did it in Rome, mm -hmm. and then Saint Francis of Assisi also had a great love for the Holy Land. That's why a lot of the shrines there are preserved by, by the Franciscans. Franciscans. That makes um, a lot of sense. But obviously, Francis never became a priest, so he didn't celebrate masses there. Uh, but he did make it there, and and. On pilgrimage, so no, I hope that this trip still happens. <laughs> As of right now, it still is. So we'll be, we'll be praying for you. Yes, <laughs> that's fantastic. So, oh man, Father, do you have any advice to give Deacon Peter before he becomes Father Peter? Ooh, I wish you all could see the smirk that I just gave him. Just like, ah, yes, lots of advice. <laughs> um, I think one of the there are probably two things, and especially for folks that are listening um, and listening to kind of what's going on. I think I would probably just say listen 
right, is a really good thing. I think one of the things in our world that we we don't hear enough of is is that, you know, listen to your people, right? Listen to it doesn't mean that you have to do everything that they say and just kind of follow kind of blindly. Obviously, you want to teach them the faith. But a lot of times I think the impression that a lot of people get from their their church is that the priest is trying to simply impose right the priest is simply saying like oh i know so much more and i you know and you may you may be more educated than so many people that that, that come to talk to you or something like that but being able to like li- listen to them first and being able to make sure because that conversation allowing somebody to be able to say okay i'm heard by my priest and i'm seen by my priest and then i trust my priest and then my priest is shepherding me and like kind of that progression so listening to your flock and I think the other thing is too is, is that there's always going to be another temptation. And I don't just mean like temptation to sin. I mean, there's always going to be another good thing to do. Mm. Always going to be another mm-hmm. good thing to do. So one of the biggest struggles is balancing all the really good things to do, <laughs> right? And being able to balance all the really good things to do, it's it becomes very hard to do the ordinary things that you're supposed to do if that makes sense, the the opportunity for some extra great thing. Oh, Father, could you do this amazing thing? Could you come with us on this amazing experience? Could you do that? You know, and then being able to also say that also my primary love is sometimes just doing the ordinary thing in the ordinary parish where I'm ordinarily assigned. And there's a beauty to being able to do both of those things the luxury in some ways of being asked to do something very special and then also the real grace that comes from just being able to serve the flock that's been entrusted to your care so i know that seems kind of obvious those would be the two things that i would say like thank you i i i don't want to say that i perfected them i'm still working on them um but i remember very vividly as a brand newly ordained priest and everybody was like we want to get you on this right so it was like oh father can you be the spiritual director of this group Group. And I'm like, I love that group. Oh, Father, can you come to this, uh, you know, new diocesan thing? We'd love to have you. Well, I'd love to be part of the diocese. <laughs> and it was just always something new to do. And then I was like, I'm in Fredericksburg. I need to be here at my parish. And these people are the ones that need me. Right. Well, so, thank you for listening to me on this podcast that yeah. you do here at your parish. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Just How many true. years have you been a priest again? 11? Yeah, I'm on my. I'm going to hit my 12th anniversary this year. I can't oh, believe really? it. Yeah, 12 wow. years oh, I've been a wow. priest. So, and we've literally known each other for like nine of those years. I think yeah, I was probably three years ordained a priest when I finally when mm-hmm. I first met you, <laughs> which is really funny yeah. to think. Kind of all the way from the beginning. Um, well, I would say this, Mary, like, I know that, like, I can sit here and talk about, oh, let me tell you about all the things about priesthood. <laughs> None of them are going to be a matter because your priest, your experience is going to be, like, totally different, which is great. Um, but the parish always wants to, like, share. And so, actually, as a wonderful member of our lay folk, um, Mary, what kind of advice would you give to our newly, to our soon-to-be newly ordained priest? So, I have... Uh Kind of two things. One, I just thought of right now, Father, as you were speaking. One is as a friend, take care of yourself. Father's kind of touching on balance. And I personally, as someone who just works in a church, as a layperson, find it hard to balance. As a priest, I have no idea how you all do that. So just take care of yourself. I, you know, I don't know if, if anyone's told you, you know, self-care, get enough sleep, like, you know. You will keep... never get enough sleep. <laughs> that's, that's not true. Yeah, just, Seminary I don't know. taught me that. 
just yeah, just as a personal note of friend to friend, uh, for those of you listening, you probably don't know, but I actually shared an office. I, I still technically share an office with Deacon Peter and uh, very grateful for the time that Deacon and I have gotten to know each other over this summer of 2021. But uh, yeah, so just first of all, just remember to take care of yourself. Um, anytime you come by here, the ladies and I will always be checking in like, how are you doing? Like, are you doing okay? They you taking care of yourself? So, good, so that'll be our first question. And number two, as a person in the pews, um, I really relate to when the priest relates to you. Just always try to relate to whoever's in your audience. So, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. One of my favorite experiences going through seminary and then even now into priesthood is the way people write to you. I think the reason I say this is because the best letters that you can ever get are letters from students and letters from kids. So I'm wondering, like, what's the best advice you've gotten from a kid in a letter? Or maybe the best observation from something very funny or something that you got from a letter in it? Yeah, so Father's referring to, I, I it happens, every seminarian gets like just a packet of letters from the second grade class at St. Tim's or... It is know, the ultimate. It's beautiful. It, it's the ultimate. If you are a teacher and you don't know what to do, have your kids just for vocations write letters to seminarians. Yeah. So, and it happens in a lot of different dioceses. And so guys will just get a package of letters and it's fun to go through those. And they're always so sweet. And, you know, dear Deacon Peter Clem, what is your name? So, yeah, right. So, well, you, you kind of covered that in the first one. Uh, and, uh, but, um, yeah, so then there's also just some really genuine prayers that are really beautiful. Um, I got one a couple of years ago, actually, from a high schooler, and I totally did not remember this teen uh, at first, and then I thought about it for a second. But she was like, I met you a couple of years ago at a work camp thing, and um, we talked about the rosary, and it really meant a lot. Thank you so much, praying for you. And I was just like, oh, wow. Like, And I'm like trying to rack my brain, who is this person? <laughs> um, and I, I did remember end up who it was, but... It, it's really powerful and moving just to receive a lot of prayers. And uh, I'm so grateful. I mean, those are always essential. Uh, and the prayers from, you know, God's little ones, that that's, those are the most precious they're, prayers. They're the best. They're the best. Mm -hmm. So They yeah. are. They they're are. so cute. And it's so funny because it really is, especially for little kids, it's always the perfect balance between something incredibly insightful that you're like, wow, you're six and you know this better than I do. Yeah. And then also like reading something that just absolutely makes you laugh your butt off. Like, yeah. it's so funny. I had one kid explain to me the rules of bump Frisbee. It's a game that he invented and he drew pictures and absolutely nothing in there about prayer or about, you know, who are you or what is seminary like? And it's just buried in the midst of all these other cards that are, you know, what's your favorite sport? What's your favorite, you know, hobby? I think one of my all-time favorites was a kid that wrote... Um, Dear Mr. Bresnahan, priest, comma, priest. They, just, that, they thought priest was the title as opposed to just calling Dear Father Bresnahan. And they said, I pray every day, except it was spelled P-R-E-Y. So and it had a picture Ooh. of a stick. It had a picture of a stick figure. And boy, friends, friends, if you're listening to this, I just want you to imagine a stick figure of somebody kneeling, but like you're not really quite sure if they're kneeling or if they're like, you know, they have their hands up like a praying mantis and they're going, like, it's just, it was absolutely hilarious. So I, I've always kept these, those kinds of things, you know, they just, they just say some of the funniest, they say some of the funniest stuff. Yeah. 
Father, do you have any best or funniest moments from Deacon Peter's year here at Nativity? Oh, I mean, see, we've had so many good moments, but I think um, we were doing something. It was like a fireside chat type thing for you. (laughs) And like we were we were just goofing off, I guess. And like our faces, we were just like pressing our faces up close to the camera to see like, I don't know what it is. It was kind of mic tests. That's what it was. To be heard. Yeah, we were testing. And And seen. So, so poor Mary Castellano has these pictures uh, of us, just our face, just engulfing the sc- the computer screen. It was like like the fishbowl effect. It was oh, they were so funny. They're like they're like. They're like little kids going up to a to a camera and like (laughs) (laughs) I I took that clip and I sent it around to the staff and all the ladies just loved it. And then I took I took a screenshot of you, Father President Head, of your face just like, you know, one eye is bigger and it's your cheek and your nose right up against it. It really did look like I was pressed up against the glass of the camera. And did I tape it to your chair? Yeah. So I walked in and I walked in and saw that picture and I thought somebody was sitting in the chair because it was just such a huge like life-size picture of our face so that was pretty good do you want to know what my favorite memory was oh sure uh, so we last summer we also got a brand new director of youth ministry Rebecca Judge and uh, one of the things that she that she had to do was um, was go out to the to the shed and, and um, I'm, I'm glad you barely remember this but uh, so in the shed she found two Hulk hands but they were both left hands or right. I can't remember. They weren't like one of each. Our previous director of youth ministry had two, like two sets of Hulk hands. They might've been for a one act show or theater. And so we only found like left hands. And so I brought them in because knowing that you're a huge Marvel fan and big superhero fan, I was like, oh, I think Deacon will appreciate this. So I just kind of left them just sitting in the office. And then just out of the blue, we started thumb wrestling with them. Uh, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it was really funny because they were like really the, the thumb was really stiff, oh, the, yeah. and it took like it was like really it's challenging. Like a thick foam finger. Yeah, 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 like like a huge exactly. foam hand. And one of our staff members walked by to ask us a ser- ask me I think a serious question. Looked at these two adults thumb wrestling with Hulk hands, <laughs> shook his head and walked away. <laughs> this is one of my favorite moments. Oh, it was wow. so great. I think all three of us were here because I think it got put on the Instagram, but one of, I think it was Father Bresnahan's first days to visit here. Yeah. I had just gotten back from Disney World and I brought a lightsaber that I built <laughs> down there. The and there's a video of all the staff members ooing and awing at this lightsaber. And then Father Bresnahan shows up and is like, is this what happens at this parish? <laughs> is, it was like your first day here, wasn't it? Yeah, or, yeah, do you no, remember I, what you said? No, I, I don't you, remember. You said, is this what they're giving the deacons these days? That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> is that, that was good. Is this what the they're giving line. the deacons these that days? That was so providential because we still had Father Vaccaro. It was like yeah. maybe a week before he was leaving. And you were coming in to just chat with Father, mm-hmm. I guess. And so- You're Working on the transition and the- right. Right. Yeah. And you walked in at the perfect moment. But what people didn't see in that video, can I I have to share this, is so funny. So that video clip, I'm pretty sure, only has you showing us um, the lightsaber as it's lit up. Yes. You know, the shoom, whatever, I can't make the sound of a light. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all, yeah, ooing and aahing at how heavy it was and, oh, it's so authentic. And you're like, it's not a toy. It doesn't feel like a toy. But 
like 45 minutes before you were having trouble getting it to turn on oh yeah we had to find a screwdriver that was small enough to fix the battery pack or whatever oh my gosh yeah it was it was quite hard to do it was an ordeal and i remember filming almost the entire thing because i was waiting for it to to turn on i didn't want to miss that moment and so (laughs) first you tried it it did work then i'm pretty sure shannon murphy comes over from the school takes a look at it can't get it to work you hand it over to father vaccaro he's trying it it doesn't get to work and then we called one of our maintenance guys antonio over to fix a lightsaber (laughs) (laughs) it's like a a full time literally a full-time maintenance guy dedicated to making sure that our church is up and running and we needed him for a lightsaber how appropriate on star wars day right yes oh man love it okay so we have one question that we ask everybody always Mm -hmm. and um and this is this is obviously different for you now um given your new status and stature right but growing up and you know before you became a deacon where was your seat in the church? Where was which pew was yours, and so, why? With my family growing up, we always sat in like the th- second or third row, like front row. Okay. Um, but being in seminary, and when I like just going to the church to just pray, I always love the absolute last pew, um, <laughs> and usually like in a corner. Um, and in the seminary, especially, I sit in the balcony if I can for evening prayer, at least. Um, I love sitting on edge seats, uh, yeah, in the back corner. Are you the kind of person that like, if it's like a crowd of mass, but you got there early and you took an, you took the edge seat, you like get up to let other people go inside so you can keep the edge? Uh, it depends. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the, the reason why is I, I do love seeing the people of God praying and I like to be in the back and just kind of be observant and see all of it. Now I get to sit in the very front and I get to face all the people of God. So I still get a seat it's just the opposite corner if you will mm-hmm. it's true and you see everybody yeah like that's the best part like people think they're in the back hiding like you're like i saw you come in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little warning we can't, we can't say anything because it's like that's a little awkward when you're oh, in the yeah, back no. and he's just hey good to see you yeah no 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 never shame somebody like that no, never, no. Not, not a bit because not I'm, a bit. i was that person who sat in the back corner <laughs> right so. that's amazing so you can relate to the people exactly, exactly. See? perfect i'm listening i love it i love it do you have any shout outs, Deacon? Oh, gosh. I mean, it's been a wonderful year. I just want to shout out the whole parish. <laughs> um, uh, specific shout out? I don't know. Shout out to you all. Yay. I don't know if you get shouted out on your own podcast, but thanks we for having me. We don't. So I shout mean, out to Mary Castellano oh. and Father Ed Bresnahan. So, oh, thank you. Shut up. <laughs> just... Fantastic. You know who I was actually going to shout out, but I didn't. I didn't run this by you. I didn't know if it would be weird. So I, I don't know if in this diocese people make a really big deal of like thanking the parents of a seminarian or a deacon or priest, but like shout out to Mister and Mrs. Clem for doing a great job raising you oh, in the yeah. faith and being so supportive. Oh, I, I assume agreed, so. I assume supportive, right, oh, of, yes, of your very, vocation, very and, and uh, that's such a huge blessing. Probably because I was just having a conversation with my mom yesterday about how hard it can be sometimes for a mother to kind of give her son over to the mm-hmm. priesthood. So that's why it's on my mind. But I didn't know if that would be weird. No, so. no, not at all. <laughs> I, my mom or dad are number one supporters and fans. And from the day one, when I told them, uh, it's a fun story. 
if I have time to Sure, say. yeah. Uh, sure. Um, so uh, <laughs> when I came off the retreat where I felt like I wanted to be called to a pre- be a priest, and I told my mom, she immediately just shouted, Woohoo! One-way ticket to heaven! Oh. And, uh, <laughs> uh, at the same time, my dad was deployed uh, in Kuwait at the time. And so we uh, Skyped him. And on the Skype, it was like, how was the retreat? You're not going to do something crazy like be a priest, are you? And my mom's like, right on the nose, right on the nose. <laughs> um, and so they were, they were very supportive. Um, and my whole, all my siblings, it was a really blessing. Nice. So, That's always helpful. The, the second most popular person at ordination is your mom. Yeah. It's amazing. Like the people will line up for first blessings and they'll receive your first blessing. It'll be an amazing moment. And then like a gaggle of people will go over to your mom and just ask like, what happened? How did you do it? <laughs> I'll make sure to get my mom uh, a line you know, she, right yeah. next to my line. You know? I think my mom had the second longest line. There was me and then there was my mom and everybody wanted to ask her questions and they wanted to talk to her and find out yeah. just like everything. Like they wanted to, they wanted to meet the mom who mm-hmm. raised the, who raised the boy who became a priest. It was it was a, it's a beautiful moment yeah. treasure those moments uh, that's it's just such a powerful weekend um you know friday getting every oh, your family coming into town getting off a retreat saturday first you know ordination day and you know visiting all your loved ones and everything and then sunday the first time you get to celebrate a mass you know usually uh, you, you'll be at your home parish i think yeah i'll be at all saints and manassas on june 5th at the 11 30 a.m mass how about uh, that cel- main celebrant for that uh, which is very exciting it's a big church lots of people can come that's do you have the date for when you're going to do your first mass here at Nativity? Yes, uh, June 19th. Okay. Uh, Sunday, June 19th, I'll be at Nativity and uh, celebrate the 11 a.m. mass. Nice. So, so, so you're all formally invited. All very all time, invited. time-based if you're listening to this after this date. Yeah, exactly. exactly. In the year 2022. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're grateful for your presence, Deacon. We've been very blessed to have you, obviously, on the show. Obviously, mm-hmm. just an amazing, uh, glad to ha- I can't wait to have you as a brother priest. Um, and really just looking forward to this. Just This is a good time of joy. This is a good thing. So I don't know if you guys got that cue from our um, fr- from our, from the vibe at our podcast, but we are excited. We've loved having Deacon Clem, and we're grateful for that. And we're also grateful for you, faithful listeners. We love all of you, and we're praying for you. If you want information on uh, vocations, whether mm-hmm. it's priesthood, Definitely. religious life, or, uh, or anything, um, you can always feel free to contact us. We know exactly how to point you in the right direction direction and uh move you uh and help you discern what god's will in your life is and Definitely. with that mary it's been a blessing hasn't it it has all Father. right awesome. we're glad to have you deacon thank you, thank you deacon. so much for having me <laughs> no problem thank you guys and god bless you have a great day mm-hmm.